Welcome to Reality 101. My name is Dr. Molly. And I'm Dr. Rule. We are back with an episode, the fourth episode of 90 Day Fiance, The Other Way. Um, We are finally getting people in their new homes, in their new countries, and we have a lot to talk about. Um, If you haven't been joining the conversation, please do so at patreon.com backslash RLTY 101 podcast. And we are on so many social media channels. That's right. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Our handle is at RLTY, like reality, 101. And we would love to see you there. Give us a like, give us a follow. Let us know uh, what you thought about this latest episode or about what we had to say. We'd love to engage with you. Yeah, we're going to be releasing some new content um, about for people want to vote on what we're going to be watching um, in some new shows that are coming out this spring or old shows that you might be a huge fan of. Um, Dr. Rule has been amazing on our social media. You can go there to see what we look like if you're interested in that. Check out Dr. Rule's amazing earrings. Um, wonder why we're making weird facial expressions at each other. And just to learn new keywords in gender and sexuality studies and um, critical race theory and race and ethnicity and feminism. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you have listened to our other episode about Married at First Sight, you'll know that we're going to have a post forthcoming about the difference between sex and gender and even why uh, we shouldn't conflate female and woman as the same thing, right? Um, Meaning calling somebody like a room full of females, right? Uh, If you want to know more about that, Um, please check out our social media where we are doing that deep dive and also give a listen to our podcast episodes about Married at First Sight. Finally, I can say it is picking up and we're getting a little more drama. And again, if you don't watch um, or don't listen, we have our first divorce. So it's getting juicy, finally. It's getting very juicy. And I would say that 90 Day the Other Way is also getting juicy. So this episode, like I said, we finally, we have Gabe in Colombia, um, which was beautiful. And we have Jen and Rishi drama and Chris and Jamie. Just everyone has a little drama. No uh, Danielle and Johan this episode. Am I correct on that? You are correct. I think they knew that we just couldn't handle it. Um, <laughs> I think they knew like <laughs> the podcast is going to go crazy on Danielle and Johan if there's more. So I was grateful for a little break from them because my eyes just bleed when I watch their problematic relationship. And I feel like we spent so much time talking about them last week. This week, we're going to dive into the other couples. But yes, there's so much to discuss. So much to discuss. So we can start. Um, what? Uh, which couple would you like to start with, Dr. Rule? Okay, um, let's start with Chris and Jamie. Okay, let me scroll to my notes here. Do you want to start us off with what's going on in their segment? Yeah, yeah. So Chris and Jamie are together in Bogota. Um, Chris arrived at the end of the last episode, and we saw them sort of like get in their lingerie, spend the night together, and now we are in their first full day together. Um, They have confirmed that they are sexually compatible, which is good. I'm very happy for them. Um, But we have several issues sort of popping up. One is financial. um, That has to do with the apartment in particular that 
Jamie rented. Um, and in this dynamic, right, Chris has made it very clear that she is the financial provider. Um, she's paying for all of their bills and she's doing that based on the sale of her home back in the States. Um, but what happens is that Jamie goes out and finds an apartment that is $100 more than the rent limit that Chris had outlined for her. And so now Chris is kind of concerned about, first of all, having enough money to be able to meet that. Um, but I think also maybe it's foreshadowing a little bit about Jamie's potential spending, maybe not being aligned with Chris's budget and um, desired lifestyle. Yeah. And I think that um, we also learn of some other health issues that Chris has. And we're kind of starting to see the first glimpses of Jamie being uncomfortable with the amount of um, caretaking or the just uh, the amount of um, nuance that goes into taking care of her partner in general. Um, and I'm interested to see how that further develops. Uh, for instance, we learned that um, it's even small things like Chris being allergic to mint. So they need to go to the pharmacy to get new um, tooth toothpaste for her. And also I was like, why can't she use, oh no, the, I guess I was going to say, why can't she use Jamie's, but Jamie's has mint. But at yeah. the same time, I don't know. I'm not kissing bubblegum for the rest of my life. I know that for sure. And I don't want to hear my partner has no toothpaste the, the morning, the wake up breath. And I don't have toothpaste. I I will give it to Chris though. She said that the airline or the airport took her toothpaste from her. So she probably tried to carry it on. She was probably trying to arrive fresh <laughs> for Jamie and they took it from her. So no harm, no foul, Chris. Uh, you had to go to the pharmacy and get your kid's toothpaste, bubblegum flavored. Okay. Yeah, so they go to the pharmacy. They also find out that Chris or Chris says that she needs a certain medication um, because she had a car accident where she had a serious neck injury and then was rear-ended on her way home from a doctor's appointment or a hospital. Oof. And so she's also hurt her back. So she'll require a um, surgery that's almost $100,000 and she's going to have to wear a brace for a year. So it makes sense to me that someone would want to put that out. It does not make sense to me how your partner or the person you proposed to does not know that yet. Correct. Um, I don't understand how this hasn't come up um, thus far in their relationship. I mean, it's a really big deal um, to you know, I mean, Chris says that, right? Like this is part of her day in and day out life is having chronic neck and back pain. So I just don't understand how she hasn't relayed the seriousness and the gravity of that situation to Jamie. Um, and Jamie says, you know, this is the first time she's hearing about this. So I wonder why perhaps Chris has omitted this information because it seems quite intentional. Um, yeah, it, it seems like she intentionally left this out. It does. It's starting to feel that way. Um, and I totally relate to Jamie, right? I think it's important to know, especially when your partner um, is older than you. And in this case, she's, there's about a 10 year age difference, right? They want to know what's going on with their health, right? Forever is a very long time. And if you're going to be together forever, you need to know how you're going to need to take care of each other. Um, mm -hmm. 
also, if I had a medication that I needed to have, I would know if that country had that medication, you know, that medication would be waiting there for me. So this is just, I think, a, a lot of drop balls. Um, but I kind of want to move on to talking about money and their money situation. Yeah, let's let's go back to the money. Okay, because I did not do my due diligence on Redfin or Zillow, but how much a, co- a house costs in her part of Alabama, which is rural, to me, can't be more than $150,000. Um, and the I, I don't know what the exchange rate is right now um, in Columbia, but I don't know how they're going to survive on that for very long. They didn't talk about their time frame. But also, we saw an interesting dynamic in a same-sex couple where I think there's a lot of masculinity coming through um, on Chris's part. Um, and we can also maybe say paternalism, right? Or this idea that rooted in masculinity that she knows best or that she should be kind of like this organizational head um, based on a moralistic undertone of her perhaps being older or American or more wiser um, that we usually attach to men and senior men. Um, but yeah, she, you know, makes the comment that, you know, don't you think we should talk about you renting out a, an apartment that's a hundred um, dollars more than what we had agreed upon? And Jamie says, oh yeah, you know, I guess so. But again, I, I see kind of a dynamic here, which is that Chris really desires to please Jamie. And um, I think there's going to be some boundary crossing because I don't see a lot of boundary setting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that that's a really good observation. Um, I think that finances really are going to be an issue for them. I mean, even it does connect back to the health issue, right? Because Chris tells Jamie that this surgery that she's going to need, right? It's just a matter of time um, before she needs this next surgery is about a hundred grand, right? And that's really significant. Um, I mean, outside of like the physical response to this, the caretaking responsibilities, I mean, just having a hundred grand to pay for it um, is really significant. And if they are already sort of, you know, arguing about a hundred dollars, right, on a monthly basis, $100,000 is going to be, I think, a really big deal. Yeah, I don't even know how that would get done personally, especially if she's not working. Um, yeah, right. And it that's interesting, too, because we do hear that Jamie is working, right? She has a job. She's going to continue with that. Uh, this time that they're spending together right now is really just her vacation days. Um, but we haven't heard Chris mention if she plans to get a job in Columbia or not. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, I really do wonder what the dynamic is there. Um, 41 is, she's 41, is that right? Or would it correct me on the age? I think so. Okay. Obviously, in, in America anyways, too young to retire. Right. Um, again, I don't know the circumstance, her financial circumstances, um, but, you know, Columbia, I don't know, and I don't, Columbia's healthcare system is like, maybe that's the best bet is to move to a foreign country. We know the American healthcare system doesn't take care of people very well, if at all. And so maybe that actually is the best place for her to get um, a nearly free or free um, surgical, I don't know, surgical procedure. But we do also learn that Jamie took 30 days off 
to spend time with her new partner, her new wife soon, her soon to be new wife. And I think that also tells us a lot about kind of the economic or employment situation of Jamie, right? Well, number one, you know, I have the idea that she was entrepreneurial because um, she's a model coach. So I wonder if that is her as her own executive kind of taking that leap of not making money for a month or what that, I don't know. I, I'd like that vacation package if she is working for someone. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree because there is sort of this back and forth, right. Um, where Chris is definitely stepping into wanting to be in charge of the money. But again, like maybe it's actually going to be Jamie that carries them financially, especially, um, you know, as Chris incurs medical costs. Um, And we don't know a whole lot about her financial situation, but I do think we know that it's not great, right? Because she has these these homes that were devastated by a fire, right? Um, So I, I don't think it's great. I don't know. I think that we're definitely going to see some drama. We see that in um, the previews for other episodes, but I'm. this was kind of a boring episode, but I think it's going to ramp it, ranch it up, ratchet, ratchet up for the next episodes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think this was like laying the framework um, for two issues, the money and the health that are, are going to continue to develop. So Chris and Jamie, can't wait to see what happens. I know. I I don't think they're going to be together for very long. What are your predictions? No, I don't think that they're going to be together. Um, I mean, I I would like them to be together. But again, I think that just Chris's position, right? Like coming from a totally different world. And she even talks about that. Like when she's walking down the street in Bogota, you know, saying like, we don't have buildings as big in rural Alabama, you know? Our buildings are not this tall. Our city is not this compact. She doesn't speak Spanish. I think, and and then if you add, you know, what we are getting some insight into with financial conflict, potentially health issues that are going to put stress and strain on the relationship. I just don't see longevity. And also, we need to fundamentally remember that they're getting married nine days after meeting for the first time. They've never physically been together, and they're both each other's first female partner or girlfriend. So it just seems like there are so many dynamics that have the potential to go wrong. So I feel like if they if they ended up together, which I hope that they do, I wish happiness for all these people, it would be like a little bit of a miracle. I completely agree. I think it's going to pop off. I just don't know when that's going to be at this point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which couple do you want to talk about next, Dr. Molly? Um, let's talk about Debbie and Osama. Okay. So we just basically get um, one of these fake TLC, like kind of lawyer interviews where the lawyer is helping them. <laughs> Um, a lot of a lot of collateral damage in this episode. We have an assaulted taxi driver when Jen tells her tells him her life story, and we also have this poor lawyer here in Debbie's story, um, where we clarify once again that Osama is 24 years old, and um, Debbie's son is there. He's delivering disparaging remarks on his way to the lawyers. 
office, disparaging remarks of his mother while in the lawyer's office, and he is imploring her not to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just remember that one moment where they're sitting there with the attorney and, you know, Debbie says he's 24 and Julian, her son, is like, he's 12. Like, oh God, the commentary. He's 24. He's 24. Yeah, I, I did think it was funny that he kept saying like, what well, can he afford? A new skateboard? And then they gave us B-roll of Osama actually skateboarding. So I didn't know that he was- The like- editing. The editing was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But, um, you know, in this meeting- Debbie says to me some really clear things that make a lot a lot of sense. Sorry, I swear my na- my neighbors upstairs are tap dancing. Um, okay. some really clear things about right. She said, or the lawyer says, "Why are you going there rather than him coming here?" And she's like, "With our age difference, it'd be impossible to get a visa." All right, I think that's amazing. We have whole multi-seasoned ninety-day fiance storylines based off the American trying to get a visa for their um foreign spouse. And that's an impossibility because of other dynamics like age and income bracket. I'm glad we're just done with that storyline here. We're like, we're not even trying that. He's too young. No, it's an astute observation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then her son says, you know, why are you doing this? And she's like, this is my fairy tale ending. And he says, you bought that with two other husbands. Yeah, not very sensitive son mm-hmm. yeah i mean all relationships fail until one doesn't so i don't understand that logic at all um but you know ultimately he's really nervous for his mom and um he says something inappropriate which is that you know he calls it stupid he calls her what her her decision stupid and um she says you better watch what you call stupid because some people might think it's genius and I think it's genius to do whatever you want with your life. I think that that is genius. And so I don't know. He's just kind of gross to me. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about Debbie is that she's very eclectic, right? She is from the beginning, right? Portrayed as an artist, you know, sort of out there a little bit, right? Um, Quirky. But at the same time, in this episode where she's actually meeting with a lawyer, talking more with her son, um, it seems like she's having a lot of real clarity of thought about, you know, getting her affairs in order before she does this calculated, it seems like, thought out move to go be with Osama. I mean, she's setting up a prenup. She's... um, you know, I think they were talking about like a, a will or a trust or something, you know, um, she's thought about why he can't come here because she knows that their age difference is going to be frowned upon and seen as unusual. Um, and, you know, she's also not keeping it a secret, right? Which is unlike some other couples. We'll get to them in a minute. So even though she is quirky let's say um and their relationship is unconventional sure on a couple of different levels it still seems like she is of sound mind you know um and that she's going into this with eyes open um 
And I mean, even when she said like, let's say she goes over there, they are together. And she says, what if at that point I do want to give him some money for being my life partner, right? Like that kind of clarity of thought really demonstrates that she is being thoughtful and not just flying by the seat of her pants. So, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm supportive. Yeah, I think that I've never seen a more clear example in 90 day history of a child just wanting to make sure that their trust is insured and that their trust is not being spent on someone else. Man, I really get the feeling that that is what, because she, even Debbie says, don't worry, I'll always take care of you. Don't worry, I'll, you know, what do you think I'm going to do? Screw over my family. She knows that's something that is at front of mind for him, even if he doesn't say it on camera. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. Anything else about them? No. uh -uh. (laughs) I want to meet Osama. Yes, I'm ready for it. Ready to meet him. Ready to meet him. Okay. So how about Jen and Rishi? Okay. Jen and Rishi really uh, heated up during this episode or cooled down, right? She has a frigid night in the apartment with no heat. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on with them. So she's there, she's in Jaipur. He has rented an apartment for her slash them. He lies to his mom and says he's going to the gym and really he goes and meets her. Um, and that really like bothers him for the rest of the day as it should, as it should, Rishi. Yeah. I mean, he has to lie to be out um, of the house. And um, Jen, at first blush, is very excited about the state of the apartment. She's super excited about it. I actually thought their initial meeting um, was really cute. And it was clear that they were in, to me, it looked like love. Like, I, I was very surprised. I agree. I was pleasantly surprised. And I think after we got more time with him, too, it seemed like he really loves her. Like I saw a lot of affection and care. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, I, no, I completely agree. And, um, again, yeah, Jen is just so insecure. I think about some of her life choices. Like she asks the cabbie, like, I'm going to marry someone that I haven't seen in two years. Isn't that weird? I don't know why that, I know that was producer driven. I don't know why we would ever have to accost that poor man. Um, He's like, just doing my job, ma'am. And then we have, um, you know, just him being really, Rishi being really nervous before she comes. I think that was a really authentic emotion um, that was conveyed well to the audience. And um, we learn after the first night of her saying it was a perfect apartment that it was not a perfect apartment. It was cold. She didn't even have towels. You know, she's like, I asked him to have the basic things, just the basic things. It's very disappointed. So I think from there it starts to go downhill because she's looking for all of these things that, you know, she's already upset about. Yeah. And, you know, I was really kind of torn about that. Like, I agree. Um, I would be upset if I traveled from the U.S. to India, stayed overnight in an apartment with no heat when it was cold and also without blankets. She makes it sound like I would be upset by that. I would be upset if I wanted to shower and there were no towels. But then when she raises it with him, I was also very satisfied by his response, which is that I didn't want to get anything that 
you might not like. So I was waiting for you to get here so you could pick out, you know, the towels and the blankets and things that you liked. Like, I thought that that was a satisfactory answer. He doesn't necessarily know perhaps that it, the temperature was going to drop that night. Um, I don't know. It just, I wanted to give him that benefit of the doubt. So there wasn't a clear transgressor in that problem for me. Um, but yes, they do continue to just sort of fall apart a little bit. Um, she approaches him and asks directly if he has cheated on her in the two years that they've been physically separated, but still, um, together in the relationship. And he says that he was faithful. And, um, I think I have every reason to believe that he's being totally honest about that. Yeah, I didn't see anything weird either. I think, did she use the phrase cheating? Because I felt like she used the phrase like, have you been with anyone in the last two years? Yeah, I don't know if she actually said cheating. I mean, I think she said like, have you been with anyone? But the implication was that that would be cheating because they were together. Yeah, I know. I understand. I think, and I agree. I think that I just feel like, I guess this is my own personal disbelief that as relationship could last long distance for two years without seeing anyone and without no sexual physical interaction. Like, I mean, I think that'd be a huge challenge for anybody. Um, and so I'm just wondering if there'd have to be some sort of arrangement in order to meet, keep that relationship going. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's possible. And again, like I'm totally inclined to believe that he's been committed and faithful to her. Yeah. I think that this was maybe teeing up and maybe she's going to try to compare like this cheating or physically being with somebody to uh, what she doesn't know, which is his lie by omission that his family is looking for an arranged marriage for him. Um, But again, I think that those are kind of two different things. I agree. Um, Before we get to that, what do you think about her saying that she doesn't want to be intimate together. Yeah. Okay. So like out of left field, I was not ready for that. Um, I mean, I think of course that like you are under no obligation to be intimate with somebody just because you've been separated or now you're physically together. So I respect that, but I was confused by it. Like it it seems like she was, I don't know, might be like using physical intimacy as a tool potentially. It just kind of had that vibe to it because I think that he also respected that and like responded really well, but just said like, it just seems like that's the kind of thing you would talk about. And I think that's why it came off as potentially manipulative to me, right? Like, it seems like if you have talked on the phone for all this time for the last two years about I'm moving, we're finally going to be together. He gets an apartment. You guys are talking about all this stuff. Like, you know that they are talking about their physical intimacy on the phone too. Mm -hmm. It just seems like the kind of thing that would have been appropriate to bring up. I can't wait to see you. But I think it's probably best if we pump the brakes until after a couple of days physically together to see where things are. It it seemed really calculated and weird. I don't know. What was your read on that? 
I just felt like if it was something that he said instead of her saying it, it would have been wild, right? That she would have flipped out. Would have flipped out. He definitely would have been cheating, right? She would have concluded that. She would have said, I move here, you know, leave my family for all of this. I think she's waiting for that. I think she wants a little drama. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think it's manipulative. I think it's calculated. And I don't know how you're not talking about it for two years. Right, right, right. Yeah. I I came out of this episode really liking Rishi a lot and liking Jen less and less. Um he just seems like very genuine. And I know that he is lying by omission by not telling her about his family seeking a wife for him. But it truly seems to me at this point that his not telling her is trying to protect her feelings. Like, it seems to me like he's very clear in his mind, like none of these are going to go anywhere. I'm obviously blowing them off. I'm going out of the house and not meeting with all of them. Um, I just can't tell my mom to stop. Yeah. And because it's a not real threat, I don't feel the need to tell Jen because I know she's going to be so upset. I completely agree. I think this is also where we see that whole breakdown of, uh, just culture in general. And and she's like, well, why can't you just tell your mom? No. And he's like, that's not what I'm doing. I would never do that. You don't do that. Did you watch Jenny and Submit? They came into his house and took him away. Women and feminine people are murdered mm-hmm. for not following family orders in the terms of marriage in some parts of the world. Like just because it doesn't happen in Oklahoma doesn't mean that it wouldn't happen to him. Yeah. Yeah. If I was Jen, like order number one would be to watch everything that's gone down with Jenny and submit. Absolutely. The parallels. Yeah. Don't try to be a hero and take on Indian culture TM. Like it's just not going to work. And she really thinks she really makes this about her when she says, call me when you're ready to tell your family. And he's just like, that's not what it is. (laughs) It's never going to be that. I know. So yeah. Mm -mm. Okay. So then we also have to talk about the fact that they go shopping for clothes so that he can introduce her to the family but as a friend not as a romantic partner there was a lot there um that we can pull on any of those threads but also like she has met his family she went to his sister's wedding but as a friend like I don't know. I've I, I got to be honest. I've never been to an Indian wedding. I would love to go to one. It just hasn't happened for me yet. Um, but like, I don't know. How do you do you just bring all your friends to your sister's wedding? Um, I, don't, that just, I was like, I need more. I need more details. What happened here? Was this like a covert operation? Like, how did this happen? I don't. You're right. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it is. Now, again, Summit did this too, right? This is just my friend. And he had Jenny, Jenny spending the night in his parents' house as a friend. So am I missing something? I mean, I obviously am, but I'm not in a relationship with someone from India. She is. And so again, what were they talking about for two years? Yeah, I don't know. It really wasn't this about what types of culture she would take on and what parts she felt like she could embrace. And man, I don't know. Also, I feel like I want somebody to please get in touch with us on our social media at RLTY101, Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram. 
hit us up and let us know, like, how do you bring someone around and present them as a friend? Uh, you know, like, is Rishi bringing a bunch of other women around and being like, these are my friends? Was Submit bringing a whole bunch of other women around and be like, these are my friends? I just can't imagine that the answer is yes. So it seems so obvious to Jen's point, actually. Like, how are you going to just introduce me as a friend? They're going to know something is up. Um, but these guys seem convinced that that's not the case. So let us know. Maybe this is a cultural blind spot that we could learn more about. Tell us, because I think, yeah, <laughs> I don't get it. No, I, I don't get it either. She storms out and that's where we're left at the end of the episode. So I'll be curious to see what happens next week. Do you see them working out, Dr. Rule? Um, oh, it's hard to say. I don't like how she's navigating conflict. She seems like a pot stirrer. It seems like she does not want peace. But I also was inspired by the love in Rishi's eyes. Yeah. That I wasn't anticipating. So maybe they will overcome this. Yeah, he, he's got a crush. He loves her. We don't see why, but I'm sure I hope we find out. <laughs> I hope. I Happy hope. for you, Rishi. Yeah, <laughs> you do you, honey. <laughs> okay, yuck your yum. Um, okay, so should we move on to Gabe and Isabella or Nicole and Mahmoud? Uh, yeah, Gabe and Isabel, um, not too much happens, right? They meet each other at the airport. Um, I was touched, right, when the family is there, Isabel's family, Mm -hmm. um, her kids, and Gabe says, right, like one of his, you know, biggest hurdles, right, about being a person of trans experience is, this memory he has of his mom saying, like, I think that your life is going to be hard and I think it's going to be hard for you to find love and acceptance. And then he says, like, look at this family that loves me. I was like, God, that is touching. You know, and he's like, no, I have one. It is so cute. I love hearing about the relationship he has with Isabel's daughter, the teenager, of how she feels like she can reach out to ask him questions and he's taking up that role of the father. Um, I love how her son shows up with a bunch of Nerf guns at, <laughs> at the airport. Let's file that under things you could never do in America. Um, and it's just like when he comes in, they're just all doing the group hug and they're just kissing each other. And it is so sweet. Even when Gabe goes in to hug Isabel, the daughter comes behind him and hugs him and creates a family hug. It's so sweet. It was really heartwarming. It was really heartwarming. I mean, I just want them to just be like, you know, together and happy and peaceful. I don't want her parents to give him any shit for being trans. I just want it to continue on exactly where it is right now. Yeah. And I think it will. He, um, they have some street food and they're eating intestines um, and we see him <laughs> trying new parts of her culture and they talk a little bit more about his trans experience and, you know, we're left the same place. Um, I think they're fun to watch, but narratively we're at the same place every week. Correct. It's going to say. Yeah. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't know. I like Gabe a lot. I like Isabel a lot. I thought another really sweet part of their um, segment was 
when he, I think they're talking about like, do your kids know that I'm trans? And she says that her daughter has known from the very beginning, right? Because they went through his Instagram together on the night that they met or the day after they met. And he was surprised and said like, oh my God, I didn't know that because she's never brought it up because it has been such like a non-issue. And I just thought that was really sweet as well. Yeah, I think this being very healing for Gabe and I think he really deserves it. So I'm happy they found each other. And I I think they're going to be fine. I think so too. Um, I think even if her parents really do cause um, a problem or, you know, are totally disapproving, we got it kind of teed up that her mom isn't anticipated to cause any issue, but that her dad might, um, you know, be disapproving. I think that they have a relationship where they're going to just bypass that and continue on as a strong couple. Yeah. I think that if there were a huge blow up to look forward to, TLC would be teasing it every single week. And we have not seen anything like that. So, no. Speaking of a huge blow up, should we go to Nicole and Mahmoud, our last couple? Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I feel like more of the same, except Nicole is just digging herself deeper and deeper into this hole that she knew she was getting into. Everything has been exactly as she anticipated, which is to say totally fine, but not what she likes. (laughs) Um, I just want them to break up. I want her to go back to America and I want Mahmoud to like start his life over. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, I can say as someone who experiences anxiety on a daily basis and has been diagnosed with it, I would say I didn't read her. I didn't know she was dealing with so much anxiety in general until this episode. Um, Just like the way her eye, her eye movements, her shortness of breath, her just saying, I'm overstimulated. This is just too much. Everybody's talking at once. There's fried food. Fried food hurts my stomach. Like, wow. I didn't, like I said, I just didn't know we were dealing with this level of social anxiety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, I just don't, I just don't know why she's like subjecting herself to this. I think that's the thing. Like, okay. She has anxiety. That's fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But it becomes a problem when you make their culture, their family dynamic, their fried food, their living situation a problem because it doesn't meet, you know, the requirements of what you need to manage and navigate your anxiety. Like that's the conflict here, which is why I want them to just terminate the relationship. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, she says multiple times that she's lived by herself for the last 10 years. Um, she also occupies uh, Dr. Rule's spaceship thinking, right? This idea that, well, it seems like we had problems when I was in Egypt and all those problems have been waiting for me to come back. And here we are. Um, like, yes, because you're still back in Egypt, which you keep saying you don't like. Like, what made you think it wasn't going to be the same place? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I feel like Dr. Rowe, I learned from this episode that his family has no idea that they have been contemplating divorce. Yeah. Because his family was so embracing 
loving, accepting of her. I mean, yeah, they were really, really kind. Um, they were excited to see her. And again, it's like, that's the problem, right? Like they gathered, right? With all the kids and the brother and his wife, Fatima, and they were like waiting for them to come in. And then they walked in the door, they like swarmed her, hugged her, embraced her. And she's like, I can't take it. Yeah. And although Mahmoud's um, English isn't on like a really efficient colloquial level, I felt like he tried to say as gently as he could that, you know, we are going to be here for a few months, you know, at, at the very, at very minimum, we will be living here. And he's actually made it clear that he doesn't see an issue with not living there forever, um, which is also very cultural, but he just said, and she's like, well, no, you know, that's just not going to be an option. You know, again, like Dr. Rule said, file that under things you should have discussed before you got there. <laughs> right. Like, what were, what were you thinking? You should have talked about this before. You should have known exactly what you were coming into. But also, if you're on the brink of divorce, I don't blame him for not going out and renting an apartment, you know, on, on his salary that, again, is like outside of his family you know, apartment building with his brother upstairs, you know, like he doesn't want to be separate from his family. It would just be for Nicole and they're on the brink of divorce anyway. So why would he do that? Why would he do that? It makes no sense. Um, But again, this is always about her. So it's, you know, all she sees is, well, why won't he make this sacrifice? Why won't he make this life change? It's just, oh, well, this is how he feels about me. Um, obviously the jokes about him keeping her passport fall flat from an audience's point of view, because we see her not wanting to be there to begin with, but from his family standpoint, again, this is why I don't think they think that there have problems rising to the level of divorce because they just make light of it. They're like, just keep her passport. Right. If if divorce were on the table, I mean, can you imagine, he would never even tell his family about divorce. They didn't in that conversation with his brothers. They just were talking about it as an as um, just issues that they need to work out. And I don't think that yeah, divorce is in their vocabulary for this. Right, that's absolutely right. And even when she's talking to Fatima, right? The wife of Mahmoud's brother. Okay, so her sister, that was a long way to say. <laughs> her sister-in-law, um, who is from China, right? She's not Egyptian. She also moved here, you know, joined the family. And has, you know, been assimilating to Egyptian culture and life. She's been working on Arabic. Um, You know, she wears the hijab. And Nicole's talking to her about, like, how did you do this? This is so crazy. Like, how did you overcome this? And Fatima's just like, yeah, well, I married him. I don't remember what the brother's name. She's like, I married him. And then I moved here and, like, decided that this is where my life is going to be. Mm -hmm like that makes sense to me. It seems we don't know Fatima's full backstory, but it seems like Fatima got into this with like her eyes wide open, knowing who she was marrying, understanding the context in which he exists and has made that work and it has worked for them. Yeah. And so Nicole asks her, you know, well, do you have friends? I really want to make friends here, which I don't, that's not, there's nothing wrong with having friends. And you know, Fatima says, you know, no, not really. Like my family, the family unit are my friends. And, you know, Nicole was so surprised by that. And you could see her wheels turning about that being just another element of the, you know, oppressive structure of Islam. But 
I mean, I think there's multiple factors. One, Fatima's a mother of three young children. I too have young children. Friendships are very hard to maintain at this point in your children's lives. Um, But I mean, they're still important to have. But what Fatima says is that basically in Egyptian culture or in the culture of their family, the family members basically uplift you and fulfill these other emotional holes or emotional needs that you may have that your partner can't fulfill. And again, that's the role of the family, not always a large friend circle or decentralized friend circle like we do in America. And so I didn't hear like, oh my gosh, like that's so isolationist or that's frightening. I just heard Fatima saying like, no, I'm pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, We're just like, I think she explicitly says Egyptian women, you know, don't like, I don't know, mingle that much in a way that you would make and develop new friendships, right? Um, it She does make it sound like the family structure is the primary organizing unit. Um, and again, it's like, I just want to say, Nicole, is this really new information? Yeah. Like you have spent time there before. No. Did you make a whole bunch of friends? What makes you think, like, how do you why are you even asking about this? Like, it's just so obvious. I just can't. Mm-mm. I don't like them. I don't like them at all. No, I, I I know. I know you don't. It's just, it's hard to watch. And I feel like she's just trying to get the, the family to say certain things so that it can play into um, the plot point about Islam being totally oppressive and ruining women's lives. And she's a victim of it. And it's just not necessary because I feel like her questions are so manufactured and yeah. They are. Yeah. They're painful to watch. I, I just like, I feel like there's a charade going on, but I don't, I don't get it. I really don't know what Nicole stands to gain from any of this, except like self torture, like just, just exit. You don't like it. It's okay that you don't like it, but just move on. I think he gave her unconditional love like and then she just doesn't know where to get it how to get it I don't know I don't know y'all you don't have to move to Egypt Mahmoud this is about to be a really painful (laughs) period um coming up I'm you know I love to hate it right so I'm actually really looking forward to watching even though it like literally makes me want to stab my eyes out (laughs) I mean, on that note, I'm really excited for Danielle and Johan to come back next week um, <laughs> so that I, I too can rant. Um, there's a really great thread, several comments and threads on um, 90 Day Fiance Reddit about how bad Danielle's Spanish is, um, which is largely commented upon by heritage and native Spanish speakers. So I highly recommend those threads. If you want to be in conversation with us directly, though, we are on Patreon at patreon.com at RLTY 101, um, 101 podcast. And we're also on social media. That's right. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at RLTY 101. Let us know your hot takes. Do you also want to stab your eyes out watching Nicole and Mahmoud? Um, can you wait for Danielle and Johan to come back so they can take some of the heat off of this couple? Who do you think is going to make it? Where do you think it's going to go? Let us know. We want to hear what you have to say. Also about the captions with Danielle's Spanish. I have to say um, it's hilarious how much grace 
the captions give her um, when they translate totally correctly, but her Spanish is not actually saying that at all. They basically translate to what she's intending to say, um, mm. which makes sense, you know, I suppose, right? Like, is it inaccurate? Totally. Um, does it convey the message? It does. But just like in the context then of Bad Bunny's, you know, recent performance being translated or captioned, right? Not translated, captioned as, you know, singing in non-English, right? It's just like, <laughs> this is like the opposite of that. We're giving this woman a lot of leverage for people that don't speak Spanish. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that because I've only read those types of comments, but I've heard that, yeah, it's pretty rudimentary. Um but they, at the very least, they do say in 90 Day History, and I have to give her props for this, at least she tries, because we have seen yes. so few Americans actually try to even speak their partner's uh, na- native language. Yeah, no shade to Danielle's Spanish. Uh, this was more about the captioning and the politics of captioning, right? Which are real. That's a, yeah, we should do that rant sometime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> check us out on social media if you want more of this yeah and so dr real do you have anything else to say about 90 day fiance the other way before we dismiss class i think that's it except uh please join us next week and class dismissed